Well, good morning. So good to see you all again this Sunday. Thanks for coming back. Welcome to everyone in the venue today and everyone watching online. My name is Adrian. I'm one of the pastors here at Carney Free. I want to give three really quick updates prior to hearing this morning's message from Pastor Jordan. Uh, first, you know, one of the things that I love most about Carney is the unity that we share amongst gospel-centered churches in this town. We have a dozen or so gospel-centered churches that meet together on a monthly basis, lead pastors of those churches meet together on a monthly basis and pray for each other and share ideas and really just seek to encourage each other to uh, facilitate cooperation rather than competition. Wouldn't that be a good thing amongst the church? And uh, it's a great, great group. And this group has been meeting uh, the last couple weeks and has been praying, how do we respond to what's going on in our communities, what's going on really across our country? And I'm excited to, to let you know uh, that this coming Friday evening at 7 o'clock at Yanny Park, we're going to have a unified prayer for racial reconciliation in our community and really across our country. And it'll be a time for, for us to pray for our police officers, also time for us to pray and listen to what other people are feeling in our country and talk about things that really need to be talked about. And it'll be a sweet time of prayer together. We are at a flashpoint culturally right now, are we not? And when the church stays silent, the church gets marginalized. So these are things though, that we have to talk about and things though, that we need to pray about. And I'm so grateful for the unity that we have amongst the uh, pastors and churches in this community to do so from a gospel-centered framework, which we will do though, this coming Friday night. We'll practice social distancing at Yanny Park, but I encourage you to come out. Bring your chairs, your blankets. There will be some seating on benches as well, but that will be 7 o'clock this Friday, June 19th. Uh, second, well, I want to let you know that our phase two of Reboot is coming soon. We are making plans for how we would do children's ministries, how we would do uh, uh, cafe, how we do information table, adult classes, all of those things. That's probably the most frequent question that I get. When will we be able to do children's ministries? When will we be able to have our class? And we understand that question. To some degree, we're dependent on governing authorities and what they tell us. But we are nonetheless in plans for all of that, and so all of that will be communicated as soon as we possibly can. Lastly, well, I want to let you know, um, I, I just want to take a moment with you. Would you please take a moment with me and recognize our staff for the extraordinary job that they have done over the past uh, three and a half months? You know, it, it was March 9th that we came in on Monday morning. We realized everything that we were doing before is going to have to change. And by March 12th, everything did change. And we stopped in a dime and went 180 degrees in a different direction in the ways we were delivering ministry across all of our different ministries. And that is because of the extraordinary staff though, that you have. We have 20 people on the other staff, over 20 on this staff, that do an amazing job. You think of the work that Cody Riedel and Eric O'Brien, particularly in the technology and communication ministries, uh, did over these past three and, three and a half months has been absolutely extraordinary. But across the board, your staff went above and beyond, and I am so proud of every single one of them. You all thank me often. I pray that you would take the time to, to thank them here in these weeks to come. Would you give it up for Pastor Jordan as he brings this morning's message to us? He's got a great one for us. Thanks, Jordan, Adrian. would you would you lead us, my dear brother? I'm gonna 
give you a pat on the back. Is that okay? <laughs> yes, that'd be fine. Love you, brother. <laughs> Love you too, Adrian. Thank you. Well, hello, everybody here in the auditorium. It's so good to see faces. It's so good to get to talk to people. I am thrilled to be with you here this morning. Hello to everybody in the venue and in the chapel. And if you're watching online, we are thrilled to be with you here this morning. I get to continue our series called In the Pressure Cooker. Now this is a Mark It Up series, so I hope that you brought your paper Bible. If you brought your phone Bible, that's, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that, but I think there's an advantage to having the paper Bible, especially in a Mark It Up series. So let me tell you what that advantage is. So last week, if you were with us, um, Adrian said a couple of different times, I would underline this word, or I would highlight this word, or I would circle this word. And I'm going to do some of that this morning as well. And what I love about that is that that gives an anchor point for this message in my Bible. So that two years from now, when I might need to hear this message again, or I might need to, I might need to remember the truth to this message again, that when I get to that thing that I underline, I go, why did I underline that? And as I'm trying to figure that out, the Holy Spirit begins to remind me of the big idea that Adrian had that, that morning. And it's amazing how God will use those things and those connections that I've underlined or those things that we uh, talked about in church that I maybe would have not otherwise remembered from my phone. Because like on your phone, you can highlight, but at least in my Bible app, I have to highlight the entire verse. And so I can't remember which word I really wanted to highlight and which like of it they were just forcing me to highlight. And so, again, if you're going to bring your phone, that's more than fine. We're not going to shame you. I'm not going to be like, is that person on their phone? I'm not going to do that. Um, but I think there is an advantage to the paper Bible. So I encourage you, bring your paper Bible. If you don't have one, we'd love to give you one. We have extras in the info center. We'd love to give you that as a gift. It's yours to keep. And so please, um, I just am excited to be here with you this morning. As we begin, I would love for you to pretend with me. Pretend that yesterday you found out that your long-lost uncle, Gustav Google, of the Google Empire, has passed away. And he has left you one trillion dollars of the Google Empire. One trillion dollars came to your bank account yesterday. And so now you can buy any house that you want to buy. You could buy any car you want to buy. You could work anywhere you want to work or not work. And so there probably is a lot of changes that that, would, that inheritance would cause for you that there'd be a lot of life changes because you had this incredible inheritance come to you. But some of us in this room, we love our home. And it doesn't matter if we have a trillion dollars in the bank account, we're living where we live. Some of us, we love our jobs. They're fulfilling and that's what we're gonna do. And so if we have a trillion dollars, I'm still gonna work in that same spot. Some of us, we love our cars. They have a name and they're important to us and we're not gonna get rid of them just because I got a trillion dollars. I'm still gonna drive that car. And so if that was you, you might just take that trillion dollars and put it in your bank account and go on living life the way you've been living it. And what I'm concerned about for myself and for us is that last week Adrian talked about this incredible inheritance that we have, this incredible inheritance that we receive through the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when we put our trust and our faith in Jesus, this inheritance comes to us. And I think for me and for so many of us, there are times where we just take that inheritance and we put it in the bank and we forget about it and go on with our life as though we never actually got the inheritance, as though that inheritance doesn't transform us or make us any different now that we have it. And so what I wanna talk about this morning and what Peter wants to talk about are three different ways that this inheritance that Adrian talked about last week shapes and molds and changes our lives. And so I wanna look at the inheritance lifestyle. So would you pray with me? 
Father God, I thank you for your love and your goodness. God, thank you for this opportunity to be together this morning. God, we ask that you would use your word in a powerful way to shape us and to mold us. God, would you help us to see this new inheritance lifestyle that we get to live? That God, that we have this incredible inheritance and it changes who we are, it changes our identity, it changes what we prioritize. And so God, I pray and I ask that you would help us to live out of who we are now and who you're creating us to be. Pray this all in your son's name, amen. So if you have your Bible, would you turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. The easiest way to get there is to put it face down and then slowly flip forward through Revelation. You'll get to Jude, and then 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and then 1st and 2nd Peter. If you get to Hebrews, you went a little bit too far, go back to the right, and you will find 1st Peter chapter 1, verse 13 is where we're going to begin this morning. Now, while you guys are turning there, I need to give you a little bit of background just in case you weren't here last week. So if you ever watch television where the episodes build on top of each other, they consistently do this thing at the beginning of the episode where they'll say, previously on Lost. And they'll tell you what happened on the previous episode of Lost so that you know on this episode what's happening. So I need to go, previously in the pressure cooker, Pastor Adrian talked about this incredible inheritance that is unspoiled, it's not fading away, it can't be stolen, it can't be taken. It is safe and secure for us and heaven and it is slowly coming to us as we receive our salvation through Jesus Christ. And so we have this inheritance, and we are also receiving this inheritance. And this inheritance is incredible, and so again, we're going to talk about how this changes us. Now, it's really important that you know you already, if you put your trust and your faith in Jesus, you already have the inheritance. What I'm going to tell you today is not how to get the inheritance, it's how to live out of what you already have. Because I don't want you to think, okay, I need to work harder in order to receive the inheritance. That's not the gospel. The gospel is we never could earn it on our own. And so Jesus Christ came and did what we could not do so we could receive what we could not earn, which is the inheritance salvation. And so I really want you to know that this all is based on what we've already received through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Second thing I want you to know is that we are going to continue to use the SOAP um, method of studying the Bible that Pastor Adrian presented last week. So scripture, observation, application, and prayer. So we're going to start with this scripture phase where we're going to read the Bible, the scripture, and we're going to study it. We're going to observe it. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13 says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So maybe you're like me, and when you read verses that say, holy a lot. Where it says, called you, the one who's called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy that I read those and I go, I got some work to do. I read those and I think, oh, I'm really not where I need to be. I read those and go, this holiness thing isn't mine. It's not who I am. And that's partly true, but it's also not very true in the fact that I have been made holy, that you have been made holy because of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. That holiness is not something that I'm working to acquire. It's something that's been given to me by Jesus. That on the cross, Jesus exchanged himself for me. And so he took all of my, same, my, all my shame and my guilt, all of my unrighteousness, my non-holiness, he took all that off of me and he replaced it with his righteousness. 
who replaced it with his holiness, with his goodness. And that is what God sees me now. When God looks down, he sees the perfect covering of Jesus' righteousness and holiness over me and over you if you put your trust and your faith in Jesus. And so when I read these verses, what I should be thinking is I am holy because of what Jesus Christ has done for me, so I want to be holy because that's who I am. I already have holiness. I want to live out of the inheritance that I have. So this is where I'm talking about we don't want to accept the inheritance inside. Part of the inheritance is holiness, is that God is giving us holiness through Jesus Christ. So I want to live out of that holiness, not go, I want to get this holiness. It's that this is who I already am. And so it changes my mindset of this is what I need to do because this is who I am. Not so that I'll earn something or get something, because, but because this is what I already have. So I want to change what I do because of who I am now. So let me give you a definition of, of holiness really quickly. So holiness is the ongoing process of obeying and being transformed by God to increasingly reflect his character, love, and goodness. That it's an ongoing process to increasingly reflect his character, love, and goodness. Because there's two realities. So one reality is that when God looks at me, he sees the perfect righteousness, the perfect holiness of Jesus Christ covering me. But then the other reality is that I am learning how to live out of that righteousness. And as I learn day by day, I'm getting closer to what God sees in me. That as I grow in holiness, as I grow in righteousness, I'm just growing and learning how to live out of what I've already been given through Jesus Christ. I'm learning to live out of the new person that God is creating me to be, this new identity that I have. I'm giving up my old identity. I'm living out of this new identity, which is holy and righteous, an adopted son or daughter of God the Father. So let me give you a practical a picture of this. Because sometimes when we think of holiness, we think of people that maybe play harps and they just recite the Bible all the time and they never do anything wrong. Um, but when I think of holiness, I think of my neighbors. So I have this couple that lives next door to me. And whenever I talk to them, whether it's in my yard or their yard, I always walk away going, man, God is so much bigger than I thought he was. God is so much better than I thought he was. He's so much more wonderful, so much more kind, so much more want loving. Then when I went in, I thought God was here with his lovingness or his kindness. And then when we get done talking to them, I realize that God's up here. And it's just this picture for me that they understand God's character and they reflect it as they talk about him. But simultaneously, the other thing that they do is they make me feel loved and cared for. That whenever I leave a conversation with them, I always know that I've been heard. That they actually listen to me. That they weren't just nodding and going, man, I hope Jordan stops talking so I can go back to doing what I was doing. But instead, they're going, I really care about my neighbor, Jordan. I really care about his kids. I really care about his wife. And so whenever I leave, I go, man, my neighbors, they actually love me. And they reflect God's character and they reflect God's goodness and his love through just the conversations and through being a neighbor. And when I experience that in them, I also leave going, man, I want to be more like that. I want all my other neighbors to experience that in me too. I want the youth group students, I want you guys to experience that in me as well. I want to grow into this holiness that God has given me so that I reflect him to the people around me because I really want them to see God. I want them to know God and they can experience that through me and through you. So the first step or the first way that the inheritance lifestyle, it changes how we live is that the inheritance lifestyle lives out of who I am, not who I was. 
It lives out of who I am now, not who I used to be. So let me show you that in the text. So if you go back to verse 13, he says, therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober. He says, your mind needs to be alert. And what is it alert to? I think it's alert to the inheritance. It's alert to this new identity that you've been given through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's alert to what God is doing in you and who you are now, that you are holy, that you are righteous, that you were set apart to reflect God's goodness and his righteousness and his character to the world around us. And so my, if my mind is now alert to that, it changes how I feel about sin. And now when I think about sin, I go, man, that's not what I was created for anymore. I wasn't created to do any of those things. I was created to reflect God's goodness. I was created to reflect his character. And so I want to grow into who God has made me to be. But then he goes on and he says, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed that he's coming. And so it's like you're carrying around your hope and he's saying, I want you to put it down someplace. I want you to set it on the grace that's going to be revealed to you when Jesus Christ is revealed, that I want you to set it on the grace you have through Jesus Christ. I want you to sit on his life, his death, and his resurrection. That is where our hope is. That's where I want you to put it. I want your mind to be alert to the new life you have, the new identity, and then I want you to build your hope on Jesus. Then he goes on in verse 14, and it says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. So I would underline had, because he's saying these are not desires you still have these are the desires you used to have you had these desires but now God has given us new desires as we've received the inheritance we're receiving new desires so he says when you before you had the inheritance before you got that message that your whole life had changed you thought that the evil desires were the only way you could live says, but now that Jesus has come into your life, you've been given a new way to live. This inheritance has given you a new hope, a new future. So live out of those new desires, not out of the old ones. So as we have minds that are alert to the holiness we've been given, as we set our hope on the grace given to us by God, and as we live out of the new desires, we're going to be holy. And we are holy because our God who called us is holy and he's transferred his holiness onto us. So now we pursue holiness because it's who we are now, not who we used to be. And so this is who I am, so I live out of who I am. So that's the first piece of the inheritance lifestyle. It is living out of who I am, not who I was. Now the difficulty is we live in a pressure cooker that wants to say holiness isn't important and holiness isn't for you and holiness isn't really even a thing. And so we have to have our minds be alert because we're not going to sleepwalk in the holiness. That our minds need to be alert in order to set our minds on what is important, which is holiness. So now we continue on to verse 17, where he's going to get to the second piece of the inheritance lifestyle. He says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. 
So in this section, I believe that what Peter is saying about the inheritance lifestyle is that the inheritance lifestyle prioritizes God, that it prioritizes God, that this is what becomes the most ultimate, most central in our lives. It's what we pursue, what we want more than anything else. It's God. So let me show you where I get that from. So in verse 17, he says, Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, Live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. So I believe Paul is right. Peter, not Paul, sorry, Peter. Peter is writing to these churches that there are people in the churches that they've heard about Jesus and they've heard about grace. And what they said, oh, this is awesome. I just got a get, get out of jail free card that I can send in any way that I want and then I can slap my get out of jail free card down on my sin and it's going to make it go away. So now I can pursue as much sin as I want. I can do whatever I want, and then I'll just slap down that get-out-of-jail free card on top of my sin, and I'll be fine. And he's saying, you guys have missed it. You guys have missed what the priority should be because you are prioritizing your sin, and you're using Jesus in order to pursue sin. He's saying, no, the priority should be God, and you should try to run away. As he just said, give up the evil desires you used to have. Don't live out of those desires. Don't try to use Jesus to cover up your sin that you want to pursue. That's one thing that if you're doing the best you can to pursue Jesus and you sin, Jesus is absolutely gonna cover that. But if you are using Jesus to cover sin that you just want Jesus and then you want him to just write it off and make it no big deal, then you've missed it. You've missed it and that's a dangerous game. Now he says, because you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially that he knows your heart, he knows what you're doing. And he says he's not going to judge you unfairly or show you any favor because you're his kid. He's not gonna say, oh no, it's fine. Now the reason is because what it takes to cover our sin is the life of Jesus Christ. He goes on in verse 18, he says, for you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you redeemed. It says, silver or gold, I know it's valuable, but it's going to disappear. It's here today, and it's going to be gone. It says, from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ. So I would underline precious blood of Christ, and I would write next to it life. That it's the life of Jesus that was what cost us to be redeemed. It was the life of Jesus that cost us to be able to receive the inheritance that it comes to us for free. That we put our trust and our faith, we surrender our lives to Jesus, but it cost Jesus everything. It cost him his life. And so I think that there's gonna be this moment where the Father God has a family meeting. That if we're gonna have this lifestyle where we say, I'm just gonna use Jesus to cover up the things that I wanna pursue, and Jesus isn't ultimate, he's not what's important to me, but really sin is important, there's gonna be a family meeting where, Jesus, where God sits us down and says, let's talk about your priorities, because they've gotten out of whack. He says, my son did not drop off a letter at the post office for you. That he didn't run an errand for you, he didn't pick up your groceries, he died. That he laid down his life for you. He didn't lay down his life for you so you can continue to pursue sin and spill his life all over those things because that's what you wanted more than him. So was like, what I'm calling you to do is to prioritize God. That's what he wants from us is to prioritize him because he is the giver of the inheritance. 
that he is what's great. He is what's good. He's what we want more than anything else is Jesus, the giver of the inheritance. So how do we practically prioritize God in our life? How can we practically put him as ultimate, as most important? We can do it by turning down the volume. Then in the world, it gets so loud, and what we need to do is turn down the volume. So let me give you an example in my life. So in my house, we like music, and so we listen to music a lot, and then sometimes my son will turn on the TV, and so music will be playing, and the TV will be on, and then my daughter will start crying, and my wife will, try to be talk to, will be trying to talk to me, and I'll be like, oh, I can't do this. Like, we gotta turn it all off. Like, I can't hear you. And so we gotta turn off the music, turn off the TV, we gotta get my daughter quieted down, and then I can hear my wife talk. Then I can hear her voice. And so what we need to do in the world is we have to turn down the volume knobs in the world so we can hear God's voice. So we want his voice to be louder than all the others. So one of the ways that I practically do this is by setting time limits on my phone. That I have an iPhone, and so it's easy for me to go into the screen time app, and I can say, okay, this app, I want to give it 10 minutes, and this app, I want to give it 15 minutes, and this app, I'm going to give it an hour. And so what I do is I look at my heart, and I say, which one of those applications or which one of those things on my phone, whether it's Twitter or Instagram or just the news or um, a podcast, what is it that can compete for my heart? So for me, the two things that primarily compete for my heart, one is Instagram. And I can spend an hour on Instagram and I would tell you it would have been five minutes. I'd be like, oh, I've been on here for five minutes. And if I actually look at the clock, it's been an hour. And in that hour, I went from just want to see what's going on with my friends to looking at other people's um, deck building projects or their cars, or their houses, or their tiny homes. I'm like, these things are awesome and amazing. And my heart has gone from I'm content with what I, God has given me to now I want this mountain chalet someplace and I don't ski or do any of those things. And it's like, I don't need this. So that's what Instagram will do to me. So I know that I need to set an, a timeline on Instagram so before my heart gets there, I've cut it off and said, I don't want that to drown out God's voice. The other thing is like Nebraska football. Like I love Nebraska football and we live in Nebraska and it's the biggest thing. And so there is content every day, even when there's no content. They'll talk to you about things from the 90s or from whenever about Nebraska football. And so I can get content all the time from that. And so I have to watch it because it will try to rule my heart and so I have to be careful on how much content do I read about recruiting and this thing and that thing and I'm not going to bore you with that but I have to guard over that and so I have to either set a mental time limit or a physical time limit and so maybe you it's the news that it's not Instagram or Twitter or Facebook it's the news and there's you know 15 minutes of news is keeping you informed but 30 minutes is making you anxious and 45 minutes is making you angry and so we have to watch and guard and go, okay, when is my heart being overwhelmed by the world? And when am I being conformed to the world and I'm drowning out God's voice? And so we can set limits on those things and it helps us to prioritize God. So now we go to the final lifestyle point, which is 1 Peter 1, through 25. He says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. 
So in this section, Peter, I believe, is saying that the inheritance lifestyle loves others. That the inheritance lifestyle, that when we receive the inheritance, as we begin to live out of the inheritance, we're going to love others more and more and more. And the first reason is because it's a natural effect of salvation at work inside of us. So he says in verse 22, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, now that you have received the salvation through trusting and believing in Jesus, you begin to follow him. As more and more of you have followed him, you've experienced more of this purification where your old desires have disappeared and you've received these new desires. And part of these new desires is that you have sincere love for one another. So I would underline sincere love for each other. That this is one of the effects of salvation at work in us is it creates sincere love for one another. Now, in this section, Peter is specifically talking about brothers and sisters in Christ. But if we take a step back and look at the whole Bible, we know that Jesus has commanded us to love our neighbors and he's commanded us to love our enemies. And so this is all-encompassing. It's not just brothers and sisters in Christ. It's also loving our enemies and loving our neighbors. Those that don't know Jesus yet, and we hope that they will. But then when he drills down on loving brothers and sisters in Christ, he says this. In verse 23, he says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable. He says, What has caused you to be born again, what has caused you to become a Christian, is not here today and gone tomorrow. It is forever. And through the living and enduring word of God, for all people are like grass. He says, they're here today and gone tomorrow, but the word of the Lord, it endures forever. And so there's this bond that's formed between brothers and sisters in Christ that lasts forever. That it will not disappear. God does not disown his kids. They are, it is here now and it will last forever. It will go on into eternity and we will be brothers and sisters in Christ forever and ever and ever because we are part of the same family of Christ and because we came to trust and believe through the same word which was Jesus Christ. And so what the, what the pressure cooker wants to do is it wants us to create alliances and allegiances with temporary bonds with temporary people instead of these everlasting eternal bonds between brothers and sisters in Christ. And so there'll be times where it will want us to turn against a brother or sister in Christ where there is this eternal bond and say, no, I want you to turn against them over a temporary thing. And Peter is saying, our inheritance is better than that. Our inheritance that we are receiving is everlasting. It's forever. And we are receiving it with co-heirs, with our brothers and sisters that are also receiving the same inheritance. And so let us focus, let us love these brothers and sisters that are co-heirs with us. And again, we should love beyond our family of faith, but his specific point here is the family of faith. And so what we want to do is to love each other because this is who we are now. This is what the inheritance is doing in us. So now we have done the scripture, we've done the observation phase, and we want to do the application phase. So really quickly, go back to each piece. So the first piece, again, is that we live out of who I am, not who I was. We live out of who I am now as I've received the inheritance, as I've been made holy by God. And so an application for this is you could get an index card and you can write on the index card, I am holy. And then you could write 1 Peter 15 through 16 underneath the index card. And you could put that someplace in your house 
where you're going to see it and it's going to be a reminder to you that you are holy because of what Jesus Christ has done for you. And so I want to live out of who I am and who God sees me to be, not who I used to be. Not who I once was. I want to live out of who I am now because of what God has done for me. And so that is a way to remind yourself that you are holy. And as you do that, it will help you to run away from temptation, run away from sin. You go, that's not what I am anymore. That's not who I am right now and forever. I am holy because of Jesus. And so I am going to pursue holiness. The second piece or the second uh, part of the inheritance lifestyle is prioritizing God. And so maybe what you do is you choose that one um, piece or that one volume knob that gets loudest in the world, then you figure out, how am I going to turn that down? And so maybe you have a smartphone like me, you have an iPhone where you can set a time limit on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, and you just use that as, and I'm not going to tell you how many minutes. You have to look at your own heart and say, okay, I can be on Facebook for 30 minutes, and then after that, I just get into fights with people or whatever it is. And you set your limit before you get close to that, that switch point. Maybe it's the news and you don't, you don't have a phone timer for that. You get your like egg timer from the kitchen out and you put it next to you on the TV stand and you turn it for 30 minutes. And when it goes off, you turn off the news and then you go, you go on a walk with God or you get out your Bible. But we want to be saturated. We want to soak ourselves in God's word and his character and in his goodness so we reflect his character and his goodness. We don't want to soak ourselves in all these things in the pressure cooker because then we'll reflect those instead of reflecting him. And so choosing what is the thing that's most tempting to me to get way too loud and drown out God's voice and we turn down the volume on that thing. And then finally, the inheritance lifestyle loves others. It loves others. And so you go, okay, where is this temporary bond that I am tempted to build at the expense of a brother or sister in Christ? What, what is a step I can take to love others? Maybe, you, maybe for us, it's to attend the prayer, prayer gathering next Friday night, saying, I, I'm gonna pray for reconciliation with my brothers and sisters in the African-American community that there are so many men and women in that community that are brothers and sisters in Christ. And we want to see reconciliation happen between our two communities for God's glory, for his fame here on earth. And so I encourage you not to do all three. I encourage you to go, okay, which one of those spots did God resonate most in my heart and choose that one step and to put that step into action? Whether it's the index card, whether it's the time limit, whether it's prayer. Whatever that thing is, I encourage you to do that. Now let's pray. That's the final part of the acronym, prayer. Father God, Lord, we pray that you would help us to do this. Lord, we know we can't do this on our own. We know that we are insufficient and unable to become holy on our own, so we're thankful that you sent your son to make us holy. God, I pray that you would help us to live out of the holiness that you have given to us through Jesus. God, I pray that you would help us to prioritize you, that, God, we are surrounded by things that are making so much noise, and it's so easy for them to drown out your voice and to make it difficult for us to hear you. God, I pray that you would help us to find those knobs and to turn them down so we can hear your voice more clearly. God, I pray that you would help us to love one another and to love each other. God, we are brothers and sisters in Christ, that we have each other for eternity. Lord, I, I don't think we're going to be able to avoid each other in heaven. And so, Lord, I pray and I ask that you would help us to love each other well now so we will be 
well-versed in how to love each other well then. Lord, we pray this all in your son's name. Amen.